Okay, welcome back to a Clubfoot Mom podcast. I'm your host and fellow Clubfoot Mom, Maureen Hoff. I'm really excited about today's episode because of my guest. We have Lindsay from Tweet Dreams Sleep Consulting, and our discussion is going to be about all things Clubfoot sleep related. So I first heard about Lindsay through my own personal um, Instagram account on Clubfoot Chronicles Mom and saw her post about sleeping and noticed that one of her twins was a Clubfoot cutie, similarly aged to mine. And if you've read the section on sleep in my book, Clubfoot Chronicles, you'll understand how challenging sleep was for my cutie for the first year of life. I think there's a part in the book that I literally say that I didn't feel like I could seek help from any type of sleep consultant because I had this stigma in my head that no one could possibly understand what it was like to have a clubfoot kid and try to help them sleep. And so I obviously didn't know about Lindsay at that point. So (laughs) I wish I would have known about her. So I really appreciate her being on the podcast today, and I'm so excited to talk with you and learn from you. I love following you on Instagram and can't tell you enough how much I've already learned from you, and I only wish that I would have found you earlier. So why don't we just start, Lindsay, with you telling us about your experience with your Clubfoot Cutie, your journey so far, and kind of where you're at now. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. Um, So I have twins and we actually found out um, like around our 16 week scan ultrasound, um, the tech made a verbal note to check on baby A's feet. And given that my husband was, um, had club foot, you know, as a child, Um, Our feelers were already kind of up about that kind of thing. And we were a little bit worried about it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, So when she made that note, we thought, okay, maybe she was just seeing things. But then at the 20 week um, anatomy scan, Mm -hmm. she did come back and confirm that she was seeing a club foot in the womb. Um, And then actually, until she was born, we never knew which foot it was because the way there's two babies in there and just the way they kept moving around and shifting. Um, she could never really pinpoint which one it was. Um, so it ended up being her right foot. Um, at birth, we found that out. Um, and so once we did find that news out in utero, um, we just kind of hit the ground running and my husband wanted to do all the research and see what our options were. Um, if there was anything we could have been doing in that moment, which there wasn't basically just waiting and growing healthy babies. Um, and we found a doctor very close to us and we actually went and visited um, with the doctor just to have a prenatal appointment to talk about what to expect more or less. Um, and so we went through the traditional casting um, once she was I think a couple weeks old, um, she had to hit like a weight Mm. requirement Mm -hmm. to get the casting done. Um, So we did the serial casting and then we went into boots and bar, typical, um, like the stagnant bar. And then we went into the, I don't know the the, the name of it, but it's the like reticulating bar that the Dobbs bar. It's just called the Dobbs bar. Yeah. Dobbs bar. Okay. Um, we went into that and we're still in that one. Um, so she's 
three and a half now, and we're in nightwear only. We've been in nightwear for, gosh, a long time since, I guess, about a a year old is when we go to nightwear. I can't remember. Does that sound right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So we're doing like the typical visits every three, four months just to make sure everything's in line. Um, So we only have a few more months left. Oh, that's awesome. Did you, when you say nightwear, did you do nap? Was that any time she was sleeping or was it just at nighttime? Um, yes, we used to do naps and I'm, I'm failing to remember when we were able to stop that. Okay. Um, I think once we went to 12 hour wear, uh, we just can, you know, typically my daughter's sleep are in bed about 12 hours. So, um, then we just X out naps and then it was just purely for, um, nighttime sleep. Okay. That's, that's good to know. We're at the point where she's still in nighttime wear. Our cutie is just over three, but I still put her in her B and B for any time that she's. I mean, she's napping kind of inconsistently at this point. Sometimes she naps, sometimes she doesn't. But I still put her in her B and B for any time and nap, just because it was always like a consistency thing for me. I just always wanted her to like know that when she was in her sleep spot, she had her boots and bar on. But it's kind of been a struggle lately when she's dropping her nap because I don't want to put her in her boots and bar if she's not going to nap. Like if I'm just trying to do rest time, which is what I did with my older two girls. So it's been an interesting transition in that way that I'm like, I want her still to wear it when she's actually sleeping. But if she's not going to sleep, then she's like in her B&B just messing around in her big girl bed. I don't know. So that's why I asked. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I don't remember when we stopped doing that, but I think we just talked about it and mm-hmm. kind of said, you know, for naps, we don't need to wear them. And for nights, bedtime, we do. And yeah. she never questioned the, the protocol. <laughs> yeah, you never had any issue with her being like, why am I wearing it at night and not nap or anything like that? No, to this day, she's never even asked me why she has to wear it. Oh, I mean... She's yeah. kind of a little like um, angelic, I don't know, trusting little girl. She just doesn't question like a lot. And so yeah. where my other twin would be like, hmm. wait a second, why are you making me do this? So it's just her personality, I think. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. Well, if you could tell me a little bit more about your passion for sleep and kind of what inspired you to start your um, business and your work and your sleep I would love to hear more about like what kind of propelled you into that sure so I mean when my twins were born um, I experienced like many many things um, that were new Um, one of them being the extreme sleep deprivation Um, I know every mom can every parent can understand that Um, I think as a twin parent it was just amplified. Um, and so I did not fare well with the sleep deprivation. Um, meaning that we were probably, or I was sleeping maybe one hour and a half to two hours um, increments just around the clock um, for many, many months. And I 
felt like there had to be a different way or there had to be something out there that was going to save me because I was, I felt like I was drowning more or less and not being a good mom um, or enjoying motherhood because of that. So I kind of found myself definitely Googling everything, trying to read the books and do all the things, but really where I kind of found my footing with sleep is on baby center. Um, If I'm being honest, there's tons of baby center forums Mm -hmm. and I found one that was specific on baby and toddler sleep. Um, And so maybe I asked a few questions here and there um, after I had sleep trained myself, um, meaning that I just kind of put the pieces together to get my twins to sleep. I didn't use a sleep consultant. I didn't like hire anybody. I just kind of took things that I had read um, because I knew we had to get more sleep. Um, So with that, I found myself loving talking about baby sleep. I loved reading about baby sleep. I would be on my phone just helping random people on Facebook. Um, It just became a passion. Um, and, And for the first time in my life, I'm was able to speak confidently about the subject, which made me know that like, this was my right path. Um, So when I was speaking confidently about it, um, I knew that I should be helping people. So my husband was like, you need to be doing this like as a, as a gig, you know, because you're really good at it. Um, Right. So I was certified um, a few years ago and really have just kind of gained some footing and traction probably over the last year. Mm. And it's been really great. I don't want, I, I know that everybody is going to experience some type of sleep deprivation. Um, obviously when we have kiddos, mm. but to know that there, you, you don't need to feel completely hopeless. And there are people like me, there's resources out there. Um, for people to ask for help, Mm -hmm. right? I think we all ask for help in our lives in different aspects and different things and child rearing um, and sleep is no different. Mm -hmm. Um, Trying to get rid of that stigma that asking for help as a mom means like you're not doing the best, you know, you're not the best mom or you're because you had to ask for help. So Mm -hmm. So what do you think kind of was, I'm, I'm just interested because I think I feel a lot of um, similarities because it was after my daughter was born with clubfoot that I was really like, and started writing the book and felt like this, like just drive to be like, I see a void in what, in what could be a resource and isn't there. And I'm like, so I guess I'll just do it. Right. But I think there's this big jump before between like having a passion and being like, I really like talking about this to like, okay, now I'm going to do this as like a real, like a job, like a real, where I'm going to like promote myself. And I think that you do such a wonderful job of doing that in such a positive way. Like you don't alienate parents or make them feel, I don't know, like I said, like not capable So I just wonder what it is like that really pushed you. Was it your husband saying you need to do this or was there any other factor that was just like, okay, I'm going to go from 
this, like just doing this as kind of a passion project to like, okay, now I'm going to, I feel confident enough. Was it certifying or what do you think it was? Um, I think it was after I was certified, I actually took on some volunteer clients and because that was part of my certification was to help families for free. Mm. Um, So I sourced those on Facebook and said, hey, who wants to be my guinea pig? And I probably had a hundred people apply. That's how many people were like, pick me, pick me. Right. And this was just in my local Facebook group. And so I narrowed it down to three um, and it was amazing. And the the results that we get working together are enough to just say, oh my gosh, I want to do that for everybody because the feedback that I get um, that what I do can be life-changing is not something that you get to hear every day or that most people don't get to hear ever. Um, So that's really what did it for me. Plus I have a marketing background and so really being able to be creative um, in my own business is really a big driver for me. That's awesome. Well, I think you're doing a great job. Thank you. Do you, um, for my next question, it's a little bit more clubfoot related. Do you think that there were unique sleep challenges that occurred I mean, you're in a unique spot because you have a twin, right? You have twins. So one has clubfoot and one doesn't. So do you think you had sleep challenges with your clubfoot cutie versus your other daughter? And if so, what were they? And then how did you manage them? I mean, this is kind of going to be surprising, but I think that my clubfoot cutie daughter is a better sleeper than my other daughter. Yeah. Um, and she has been probably her entire life not not to say that I would say that she I say that because she is a very consistent sleeper whereas my other daughter has more personality driven things where things come up here and there Um, so I did want to tell you though that for us like the months between 7 and 12 were probably the most difficult just based on the amount of gross motor development that was going on I don't know if you experienced this but um, for my daughter like when she was able to sit um, she would just sit in her bed and then would either stay there for a super long time and then I would maybe have to go in and like lay her down or we had times where she would just bend in half and use her bar it had a cushion on it Mm-hmm. as a pillow yeah so she slept like that a ton um she we also went through a stage of where she would like window wash so she would have she'd be laying on her back and then her boots and bar were up in the air and she would either fall asleep with it resting on her forehead yeah. um or like off to the side or she would just go back and forth like this and I'd be like is she sleeping like what is going on in there like I never wanted to interrupt because she wasn't upset. Right. Um, she has a very like um, laid back, autonomous type of attitude or uh, personality. Um, but I would say it was definitely disruptive mm-hmm. um, to her sleep as she was learning like, hey, I can crawl now. I can pull up. I can, I'm trying to learn to walk, but this is strapped to my feet type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I'm trying to think if we went through any like super big regressions or anything with her. Not really. Um, like I said, she's been very consistent um, with her sleep. It's more just in that period of time. I remember really some funny crib gymnastics going on. Yeah, I think that, that seems to be a very um, common theme with that I see in kind of the clubfoot groups is that these cuties sleep in like super weird positions. And you're like, how can that possibly be comfortable? I, mm-hmm. uh, I think my, I mean, we struggled with sleep for a long time. And I think part of that is personality driven. Like you're saying, like, I think my daughter is really, um, passionate and <laughs> I mean she's uh very stubborn so she's very much like I want and we kind of created I think the hardest part for me is that I created these ideas in my head of I want to help her to sleep because I don't want I feel really bad for her you know like I feel like she's struggling to sleep because she has to wear this device. And like, I wouldn't want to sleep in this in boots and bar. And so in my head, it was like, I can't put her down and just let her cry because like, that makes me a bad mom. You know, like I, I should be trying to comfort her. Like she has a medical difference that's requiring her to wear a device and I'm just going to leave her in here to cry. So I think that was where I really struggled and things didn't get better for us until I don't know. She was probably a year old. So from about four months until a year, we, I mean, I don't even really tell you how much sleep we got. Cause it was like none me or my husband. Cause we were just up all the time. So I think that was the piece. It was that emotional thing that really was the, my own emotions that were keeping me from helping her learn tools. And that's also what kept me from reaching out from for help, right? Because I had it built in my head, like going, no one's going to understand because they don't have to put their kids to bed and in boots and bar, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's where we struggled so much with. And I don't know whether if we would have, I don't know if I would have even had the ability to, but to really like enact some sort of sleep training. I think eventually we just had to, like, I just was like, at some point, you're just going to have to figure out something because I need to sleep in order to survive. (laughs) Like you were saying earlier, right? Yeah. And I think I reached my desperation way before you did because of the twin factor. Right. Um, so, so yeah, um, I get it though that what you're saying is extremely common, even when we're not talking about a club foot, you know, mm-hmm. a baby that has reflux or any type of medical um, issue or like maybe they have to wear a dock band for torticollis or something. Sometimes parents put so much, um, you know, clout into that thing because the, because sleep training is hard in general. So we're going to just use that as kind of a scapegoat. Right. Right. So to how do, do the hard thing through that. Like how do help how do I help people through that? Yeah, like you know what I'm like it seems like such an emotional thing. It's more like um you know, because I have my background in marriage and family therapy, so I'm kind of like a therapist. I always think about that piece of it. It seems more emotional about the parents than it is about 
the kid. So is that just how you help them figure that out? Like this is more percent. Yeah. I mean, I'm not coaching the child. I never, yeah. Get to, I never get to see the babies or talk to the babies. I'm coaching the parents. Right. Um, and a lot of it is mm-hmm. finding out, I mean, I have a very lengthy intake questionnaire. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I also have a, you know, a free call where I'm right. trying to figure out if we're a good fit, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm not going to fit with everybody and not everybody's going to fit with me. Uh-huh. Um, so it's, it's about, you know, finding out personality types, you know, what have you tried before? What have you done before? Are you, is there postpartum anxiety, depression, you know, so much goes into this because this is not something easy um, that we're doing together. Right. Um, but they've come to me and hired me for a reason. Mm-hmm. So I basically hold their hand the entire way. I'm their virtual cheerleader. Um, I'm giving their giving them a a sleep plan that gives them a solution or an action for every possible scenario. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what most parents need because I can't. We can't just you know, throw a book at somebody and say, okay, figure it out. But at 2 a.m., I don't know. Mm-hmm. But you're, you know, you know what I'm saying? So um, it's the, it's the one-on-one experience and it works. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Makes sense. Are there Clubfoot specific sleep products that you would recommend like that you used or that you recommend to other people if they have a clubfoot cutie, both either or both during casting or boots and bar? Um, yeah, so let's see. Um, the one that we've used, the, the one little thing that we've used probably since the beginning is, I don't know what you call it, it's a, um, like a cushion. Mm. A wraparound cushion for the bar. Like a bar cover. Um, A bar cover. Yeah. Uh Um, We've had the same one this whole time. We've never changed colors. Um, And so that one I think I got from, it's like 26th Avenue. Yeah. Yeah. 26th Avenue. Essentials. Yeah. Yeah. So that's who I got that through and we loved it. It's held up perfect. I think having that is really important for a couple reasons. Um, For one, um, her crib is, or her bed is nicked and dinged to no end, but I can't imagine how much more damage would have happened to it without that. Um, So I don't know if you've experienced that as well, but like just the shifting in bed and just whatever, um, the crib has been put through a beating and it's one of those convertible beds so that will be a headboard for her big big girl bed and it is what it is right right um also it was I think important to have that um when you have pets or other children around because like I said during that like six to seven eight nine ten months when there's so much crawling and floor time I mean, she would whip that thing around and almost put an eye out, right? So, um, and then we had another baby mm-hmm. and they right. would be doing floor, floor time on the activity mat or whatever. And it could be dangerous um, the way she would lift that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine. Right? 
Yeah. So to have that cover on, I think was, was vital Mm -hmm. um, to prevent injuries for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, We also use like the baby leggings. Um, I know it's like super awkward to figure out what they're supposed to wear during casting. Right. So um, we were casting during winter months. So that made it really just awkward about what she was supposed to wear. So um, the big baby leggings, I think is what they're called. Right. Um, Really came, came through for us. Um, Did you use those on both of her legs or just her casted leg? We used it on both, so it was like a little outfit um, with like a onesie. Um, and then I can go through all the gamut of sleep sacks um, <laughs> if you want me to. Well, um, I, I think just like anything that you're, I mean, my my girls, like for example, my older girls were always swaddlers. So I'm like a big swaddle person um, when they're young. So I was like super freaked out that I didn't when I was pregnant, I had found out that she was going to have club, but I was like, uh, like, am I still going to be able to swaddle her? Like, and so we used the MBA swaddle, which worked out great for us. And like, she still sleeps in a sleep sack now. I think, you know, I asked you for a recommendation on one because she was growing out of the ones and I didn't know where to get a bigger one. Did you find it? Yeah. It's been great. Uh-huh. I yeah, love it. It's super comfy. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So we're still in the sleep sack as well at three and a half. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's great. And is that for both of your twins? You do that for both of them, not just your mm-hmm. club. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yep. They are very, I tried to, to say like, Hey, like, let's not wear it for a nap. And they were like, okay. And then one of them started crying 10 minutes later for me to put it back on. Mm-hmm. And then my other daughter just kept rolling around and rolling around. I could tell she was tired. So I went in there. I'm like, do you want me to put your sleep sack on? She was like, yeah. And then two minutes later, she was conked out. I'm like, man, you guys really do enjoy it. Yeah. I know that seems. It's a comfort comfort item. I Like a sleep cue for us, right? Like I think she, like mm-hmm. our kid calls it her coat. I need to put my <laughs> coat on. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> we, we actually started zipping it up like flipping it over and zipping it up on her back so that she couldn't unzip it and start messing with her boots. We do that too. We haven't had too much of that. Have you guys experienced her trying to like mess with her boots or take them off or anything like that? Nope. Again, um, her personality makes her a rule follower and she wouldn't dream of doing that. Have you ever let her help you like put on or take off the boots? Has she ever like tried to do that? Yep. So, um, we have a little bit of a struggle with that because her sister also wants to help. Um, so typically what we do is like, we'll, you know, thread them, we'll put the prong through and then start to thread it through the other side where it's kind of like standing up. Mm -hmm. And then we do that for all three on each side. And then we let her pull them through the straps all the way through so she gets to pull through six times and she likes to do that yeah that's kind of how we do too but I've always been a little bit leery of letting her do more than that because I don't want her to actually learn how to take them off or 
put them on, right? Like I want her to feel empowered that she has a connection to it and has the ability to do something. But I also wanted to draw a very clear boundary that like, I take these off, not like that's a mom job, right? Or that's a dad job. That's not a your job, just so that she didn't have unclear messages, you know? No, I think that's fair. Um, And same thing with like putting them on, she wouldn't get the right, you know, um, pressure level or whatever. And so could injure her foot if they were too tight or something like that. So, yeah, I think it's just interesting. We haven't really struggled with her ever really trying to take them off. And I don't really know what that's akin to, right? Like, I don't know why because I feel like she's definitely got the personality to do that, but she just doesn't. So it's interesting to see. I always like to hear other people's experiences and how they kind of handle it and whether or not that experience is in line with what we have. So, yeah, I mean, I've worked with clients that are in boots and bar and I so far haven't had one that, um, and I'm talking like some toddlers and I haven't ran into it where like, the client's child is taking them off so yeah. I'd be that's awesome I guess we're all just lucky I know I don't you know you hear about it you always hear about people on the Facebook clubfoot groups saying like my kids are taking them what do we do so I think I was always just prepared for worst case scenario like she was just going to be trying to rip them off at every moment so I feel very grateful that she's not that's <laughs> especially with all the sleep issues she already you know she had and when she was so young but it's kind of nice that that hasn't been an issue yet I guess I should knock on wood because that means she could probably wake up tonight and try to do it I don't know I know always knock on wood when talking about sleep (laughs) (laughs) um so if you could go back and tell yourself like your pregnant self one thing could be clubfoot treatment wise or just in general, what do you think it would be? Uh, let's see. So, I mean, I think this will probably sound a little bit cliche, but probably just not to sweat the small stuff. Um, just because in the grand scheme of parenthood, like it just goes so fast and I would get caught up on a lot of just small details. Um, I think some of that is just my anxious personality I you know have a little bit of anxiety so um you know just not succumbing to the overwhelm which I know is super hard to do mm-hmm. um but like having twins plus having a club foot cutie um uh, which required a lot of hands-on um dedication in that first yeah year right so much dedication Mm-hmm. Um, to the stretches and to the the bracing and just all of it um, I think I got caught up in the hours and minutes of motherhood overwhelm um, so I just would tell myself just to chill out a little bit <laughs> I thought we could do that go back and right did you, did you feel really anxious about your like having a clubfoot cutie, like when you were pregnant, did you feel a lot of anxiety about that or through her treatment or was it more generalized? Um, I think it was just more generalized. Um, I also, my husband really took the initiative with her. Um, okay. Like I said, because he, he right. 
had club foot as a child. So he felt that, I mean, unfortunately, maybe he um, he shouldn't have, but he felt a little bit responsible that he had passed this on to her. So he really took the initiative, um, you know, to be at all of her doctor's appointments and to be making sure her stretches were getting done and things like that. So it took a little bit of the um, responsibility, I guess, off of my my mom brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really helpful. Yeah. I feel like that's definitely from my experience or from hearing people's experience, that's definitely a difference. I feel like a lot of the time, well, especially in our relationship, it was me kind of doing all of the research and everything on top of having a newborn. Right. And it was overwhelming. And looking back at it, if I, if, I don't know if I actually would give it up, like, and just let him take control. But I think it probably would have really helped if I could have taken that off my plate a little bit, you know? Yep. I think that's very common to feel like we have to, when it comes to our children, just be involved and be the one making the decisions. Um, But sometimes it feels good to just matter of factly say, you're going to handle this and I'm going to handle that. And if you need help, you just let me know. Right. And just to trust that your partner is going to be able to accomplish it in the same yep. way. Right. Differently, but yeah, the same, you know? Yeah. Right. So what's some one, what is something that you'd want every parent to know about like early childhood sleep in general? And does that, change with clubfoot kids um I don't think what I'm going to say changes because of clubfoot or not okay um I don't think you know having this diagnosis Mm -hmm. is you know a sentence that you're never going to sleep again um I think you have just as good chances to have a good sleeper than somebody who's not clubfoot. Um, so I hope this gives a lot of people some motivation and and, and um, that sleep can happen in your house. Um, I think something that I want everybody to know about childhood sleep is that I kind of view it as two roads and there's baby-led sleep and then there's parent-led sleep. Wow. And I think that goes... A, um, that goes with saying that, that you can, it's, it's just really about maybe a, a parenting style choice. Um, but there's, you always have options and you may think before you have your child, like, I'm never going to do X, Y, Z, but then you, you get there and now you're doing X, Y, Z and you're, you're totally cool with that. Right. Or maybe you're not cool with that and you want to, you want to change it. You always have the room and, and time to change your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with kid, kids as old as seven years old. Mm-hmm. So it is never too late to make sleep habit changes. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever you're ready, maybe you're, you move to a parent-led sleep philosophy. 
Yeah, I think that makes sense. And it I think should provide parents listening who either have a clubfoot cutie, maybe they're struggling or they're pregnant with their first cutie. There's some reassurance that like, right. It's not like you're never going to sleep again sentence. It's really dependent on your child and then yourself and how, what kind of decisions you guys are making. And I think that's one of the things that I really looking back see as what led to a lot of our struggles was our own. The way we, right. So that I think when, when I was in the thick of it, it was, I was so emotionally entrapped with everything that I couldn't see that. Um, and I think it helped, it prevented me to, from really reaching out for help because it was like, no one's going to understand. And I don't, you know, so I think sure. that's really reassuring parents. When it's your own child, you can't see the forest through the trees at all and um having this device on their legs or casts or whatever it is may seem as an adult like wow I would never be able to sleep like that or they must be so uncomfortable we kind of um project all of these adult scenarios feelings etc um that the child is not capable of experiencing so um yeah, yeah sleep can happen I love that so where can people find information about you and your sleep offerings so I have a website tweetdreams.com um all of my offerings are out there the link to set up a phone call with me is also out there I offer a free 15-minute evaluation call like I said, to see if we're a good fit to work together. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a blog. Um, I try to, you know, stay active on there. There's lots of good stuff out there um, on my blog. And then I also have an active Instagram account. So I'm posting several times a week. I'm on stories. And then I do a Q&A every Friday. Awesome. Um, I've been able to keep up with that. So, if you know, people are on there asking questions and i literally answer whatever question they have and everybody can see and um, learn from that. So yeah, come join me over there. That's awesome. That's such a great resource. I think I've asked a question too. And I think you answered it. So did I? When we were, yeah, because we were in the middle of switching from like whether we should nap or not nap and how do we know if she's ready to not nap? Okay. I think that's one of those like you know, she hits three and everyone's like, hey, she can be done napping. And I'm like, but she doesn't seem done napping because she seems real cranky. So, and then we had a kind of a blip where she didn't nap for a long time. And now we're kind of back to where she wants to nap every day. So I'm kind of yep. just taking it day by day at this point. I think at three years old, we just have to lower our expectations. Like, right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> mine are kind of done napping too. And then when they they do nap, it's like they're up until laying in bed until 9 p.m. And I'm like, that's too late. So but then you still like tricky because you just go. So like, tr- it's not black and white like all the other ages are at all. None of them. Are. Um, 
but like we went to the zoo yesterday we skipped nap and then you know it was fine everybody hung and you know didn't completely lose their marbles mm-hmm. and then by 7 p.m they're ready to crash and I love that so that's so nice that's the nice thing about the no nap it's just nice to have a little bit more flexibility too to be able to go like now I can go and do something like we went to the pool recently for a birthday party and we were like, I was kind of gauging to see how she was doing and she did great. And she, we just skipped the nap that day and it was super nice. But I do feel like for her, she gets a couple after a few days of no nap, she tends to be real to catch up. Yeah. Then she just is like, then I'm like, okay, let's put you down for a nap today. Cause you just, I think we all need a little bit of a break from each other. So a break, kind of a good, it's kind of, it's kind of nice every now and then. So I'm not ready to like fully pull the plug yet, but I definitely like the ability to have a little bit more freedom. So, but yeah, so I definitely think that people should take advantage of that. If you have a question, ask because she will answer it for you yeah and I mean I have some um followers or friends on there that have clubfoot kiddos as well so I think it's really helpful to find that niche you know where there's people who are going through what you are going through we love to write bounce ideas and get advice so um ask all the questions Yeah. And I just think that's what drew me to you and your Instagram account from the beginning was it was like, oh my gosh, you felt like kind of like a unicorn, like somebody that was like a sleep consultant and had direct experience. Cause that's always been kind of my thing with the clubfoot treatment is I get a little bit overwhelmed with the amount of people who want to put comments and insight into who don't actually have direct experience with clubfoot like as a parent you know like even the medical professionals like you go and you see the doctors and they're doing great but like they're not the ones that are actually doing so much of the hard work once you get to boots and bar right like that's really parent-led so Mm -hmm. I just found myself really desperate for parents who actually had direct experience and I wanted to hear from them and more than anybody Cause it's like, I remember I, if we emailed our doctor and it was like, she's not sleeping. Do you think it's because of the boots and bar? And they were like, we don't know. Right. They didn't, they didn't have any clue. So it wasn't really, if I would have known about you then, would I have been able to feel like, okay, here's a mom who actually has a club foot child too, and can have some understanding of what that's like just for whatever, even though that might not change the way that you, you know, our sleep consulting would have been, um, or your advice for us or whatever that would look like our roadmap. I think just the knowledge that you had been through it. And I think that connection of other parents being able to connect with like other club foot parents and just go, this is what we're experiencing. Even though like, obviously my cutie was a sleep struggler, whereas your cutie was not you know, even though that's just a a difference, it's still, there's that connection piece that I feel like is so valuable for every, for so many clubfoot parents that feel really isolated, you know? Exactly. I, I remember Googling and just 
you know, stumbling on people's blogs who probably posted maybe twice Mm -hmm. and during it and then they never blogged about it again. I'm like, but wait, then what? What happened? Like, you know, I can't leave me hanging. Where does the story end? Yeah. So um it yeah, it makes me feel good to kind of form this little community of people who are um experiencing the same thing. I think that that's so valuable. So I appreciate it. Thanks. Well, thank you, Lindsay, for agreeing to be a guest on today's episode. It's been really wonderful talking with you and I learned a lot. And like I've said before, I wish I would have known about you earlier in our club for journey. And I'm hoping that people listening to the podcast will hear about you and know that people like you exist, right? That there are people out there who understand and have experience and also have a lot of knowledge and expertise and are here to help you. So I hope that everyone listening found this as helpful as I did. So please like, share, or subscribe if you found this episode helpful. And if you need to get in touch with me, you can always contact me directly at my website at marinehoff.com or on my Instagram account at Clubfoot Chronicles Mom. And if you'd like more information from Lindsay or you want to hear more about the sleep services she offers, you can contact her at tweetdreams.com or her Instagram account at tweetdreams. Thanks so much for being here, Lindsay. I so appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye. Bye.